Morning Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome to the show. Uh, hey, the Blue Jays are back in town tomorrow night. Are you on the bandwagon yet? I would love to hear if there is someone who is not. Text in 71010. Show is live, of course, every Sunday until 9 p.m. I'm pseudo on the bandwagon. Like, I don't have any interest in watching and going to the Dome and, and watching a game, but I do love the energy. I also, I've mentioned a few times, I live really close to uh, the Rogers Centre. So I love seeing, like, that sea of blue that just floods the street. And I also get to see how cranky and angry people get the minute the game is over and they're all trying to get onto Spadina and they're all trying to get onto the gardener. It turns like really happy loving fans into the crankiest of all people. Uh, Just a quick reminder if you did not vote during the advanced polls last week, please 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 get out and vote tomorrow. One of the most important things that uh, you can do and you know there might be a bit of a line but hey It's not something you have to do every day and not something you do every year. So uh, make a point of it if you can. And or if you didn't vote in the advance polls last week, um, which is great because I went on uh, went on a Sunday night around dinner time and there's nobody there. Just me and my pencil. Uh, You may recall that I mentioned uh, a little while ago that I'm part of a group of people who are sponsoring a a refugee family from Syria. We're doing this through Lifeline Syria. And because of some very generous donors and one in particular who actually wanted to remain anonymous but donated to our group $27,000, we as a group are being fast-tracked to uh, receive a family and we probably will by the end of this year. And the reason I'm telling you about this is because I've been trying to, I'm not trying to inundate people on social media with it, but people have reached out and said that they're interested in helping out. They've been offering furniture, clothing. They want to know what they can do. So for that reason, I just want to keep you updated about the progress. Um, for privacy reasons, I can't share too much about you know the details about the family members. But um, because we were able to raise a substantial amount of money Already, we are now able to support and bring over a family of six or seven, which is really amazing. So a family that might have a few extra kids or a family that has a grandparent who wants to um, come here. So um, that's our progress. I'm very excited about it. We had an amazing um, meeting Friday night. And what's great is that most of the people in this group are complete strangers to each other. We might know one or two people, but we came together on Facebook So, I mean, the power of social media. And we all have different strengths. A lot of us are freelancers. We're writers. Um, You know, one woman's a yoga instructor. One guy works in real estate. That will help us out when we're looking for an apartment. So it's actually just the coming together, building that community has been really amazing. And uh, I'll tell you a bit about something we'll be doing coming up. The Bonnie Gordon College, which is a great pastry school, they're donating um, time and facilities, and the students are donating their time as well. And they're going to be baking up I think about 15,000 cookies (laughs) and we're going to package them up. We're going to have an online bake sale. So when that's up, I'll let you know how you can purchase those and um, help out with, uh, with the family that we're sponsoring if you are interested in doing that. So coming up in the second half of the show, I'll talk to a man who travels the world. This is a cool job. He travels the world collecting stories and those weird artifacts for the Ripley's Believe It or Not books and museums. He's been doing this for 35 years. Now, when you think about it, you can go online and you can hear about 
the guy who does the crazy thing in some small little town. But just imagine like pre-internet, how he went about finding the elephant with two trunks, um, that sort of thing. So he's got some really great stories. We'll talk about their latest book. And uh, you... Well, maybe you won't be surprised to know that uh, a lot of Canadians are in the book. A lot of Canadians have very strange uh, skills, <laughs> if that's one way to put it. Um, but I'm really excited to have two guests in studio with me right now. My first guests are here to talk about something that's really, um, really great that's happening this week. It's called Restaurants for Change. It's one night, 13 cities, coast to coast. Over 50 restaurants taking place October 21st. I have Nick Saul here. He's the president and CEO of CFCC, Community Food Centers Canada. Also, Ryan Donovan, co-owner of Richmond Station, a great restaurant downtown Toronto near the Eaton Centre at Young and Richmond. So this is the second year for Restaurants for Change. Um, Nick, I guess, how has it changed from the first year? How have you grown? How did you, like, tweak things? Well, in the first year, we had 30 restaurants. We're now up to close to 60, and which gives us a bigger platform to talk about the important work we do from coast to coast to coast and uh, obviously surface the generosity of the chef community that has been so important to driving our, our work around health and food and community building. So the monies we raise will, will get driven into our community food centers across the country. So it's phenomenal. We're really excited about this year. So go out for dinner on Wednesday night. So the first year, last year, 2014, you raised $120,000, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, for a first-time event, we were thrilled. And uh, I've been working around food issues for many, many years now. And uh, the restaurant and chef community is one of the hardest-working communities you'll ever find and one of the most generous as well. So uh, Ryan, who's here with me tonight, has been a real important uh, galvanizer of that community with us. So uh, we hope to raise $200,000 this year. And again, that, that gives oxygen for our good work. So, Ryan, I know that Richmond Station has taken part, um, so both years, last year being the first year, this year as well. When you're approached with this idea of donating proceeds from one night to um, Canadian food centers, that, what sort of what's your reaction? Yeah, brilliant. Let's do it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a super fun, um, it's a super fun idea. Uh, what I really like about it is that the concept's just really airtight. It's easy to convey the idea to someone who comes into our restaurant to sit down. Um, and I would say on Wednesday, what's going to be really fun is maybe half the dining room is going to be full of people who made a reservation on purpose to support this great organization, and they're coming down because they want to. Um, they want to see their money go to a great purpose. The other half of the people have no idea. And we're just going to tell them, hey, listen, we're giving all the money away tonight. And they're going to be super excited about that. And so so you have this group of people that are coming in and they're donating and being charitable. And the other half of the people are being introduced to a new organization. And that's what's really fun about it as well. So why would you get involved as a chef? And as um, because there are almost 60 restaurants now uh, across Canada that are taking part. But you're sort of uh, a bit of an ambassador for a lot of the, the chefs and the restaurants who have signed up. Why do this? Yeah, sure. Well, that's a great question. For me, it's it's a no-brainer, you know, and for Carl as well and our team. I mean, for us, food is a basic uh, basic human right. Everyone should be able to eat and eat well and enjoy their food and uh, have their meals in a really great space and make sure that the food they're eating is uh, healthful and good for the planet and nutritious for them um, and that they're sharing that in a really um, um, decent environment uh, and that they, they enjoy that and that they share in it, that they're not just... Um, passive recipient of food, but they're engaging in the making of the food or the growing of the food. Um, and so really what uh, Nick has done for, for years uh, and what Community Food Centers Canada is about 
is uh, creating a third a third model or a new way of providing access for everybody. So, Nick, how long has um, Community Food Centers Canada been around? Because I I'm sure that some listeners may have heard of it, may not really know what it is that that you do, um, and others are have never heard of it before. Yeah, so it grew out of the Stop Community Food Center, which is an amazing organization at uh, Davenport and Symington in the west part of the, the city. And I left there after 14 years working at the stop with uh, some colleagues on this crazy journey in 2012. And so we are a relatively new national organization. We really do three things. We build vibrant community spaces that bring people together to grow, cook, and share and advocate for good food. Um, And so we now have eight centers in various ages and stages of development across the country, hoping to build 15 and as many as we possibly can, frankly. And then we support about another 80 to 100 organizations just to kind of nudge them in a better better direction than simply handing out unhealthy people uh, food to people. And I think the food bank has been the dominant model for so long. And mm-hmm. we're now trying to build a different kind of awareness about how you work on food in low-income communities where you let people in the door. And as Ryan said, no one wants to be a passive recipient of charity. They do want to cook and grow and build a better community. So, And the third piece is the public policy side of things. So people aren't poor because there is enough food. There's plenty of food out there. People are poor because of a low minimum wage or inadequate social assistance rates or unaffordable housing. And so it's really important that we build centers that are about generosity and caring and connection. And you can do that beautifully through food, but it also provides a platform to speak out about the larger structural uh, issues that drive vulnerability in far too many of our communities. Now, and we're going to talk a bit more about the work that you do and also about uh, restaurants for change and how you can take part in some of the great restaurants that are involved. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm guessing you've probably bundled up a little bit this weekend because uh, the weather went from like beautiful fall like the other day to feeling very, very winter-esque. You can do something great on Wednesday, that's the 21st of October, just by enjoying a nice meal out at one of several participating restaurants, taking part in restaurants for change. And here to talk a bit more about that, I've got Nick Saul, President and CEO of Community Food Centres Canada. Also, Ryan Donovan, chef and uh, co-owner of Richmond Station. So you've got a great list of chefs and restaurants on board. This is the second year that it's um, Restaurants for Change has been going on. Almost 60 restaurants, one night, 13 cities, um, which is a lot to it's a lot to organize in some ways, but it's also a big accomplishment. Yeah, it's uh, it's a beast. It's like uh, herding cats, quite frankly. <laughs> Chefs are amazing, but not always the most uh, the best at getting back uh, on email. And I was going to say, yeah. not the quickest to respond sometimes. <laughs> no, no. I mean, big, big hearts, but uh, they got lots on their mind. So uh, it, it is. We're really thrilled. And my colleague, Christina Palacio, who's done a lot of work on this, uh, has really worked hard to bring it together. So I know that um, there's a, a list of Toronto restaurants. There's almost 20 of them, I think. Is that right in Toronto yeah, that are taking a, part? It's an embarrassment of riches uh, <laughs> from the Bucas uh, to the Drake to Adulis, uh, Ruby Watchco, Globe Bistro, Union, the Harvard Room and Co. You can find everything you want to know about them at uh, www.restaurantsforchange.ca. So it's a tremendous group of restaurants that really 
have dug deep to help us do our work. And they're, they're located all over the city, um, so there's a great selection. And, um, you know, you mentioned the bukas. I was there yesterday, actually. I noticed. <laughs> you went for brunch, I believe. <laughs> Did you see that? I yeah, I went Twitter. for I had a great <laughs> brunch at uh, Buka Yorkville. And then the day before, I, w- it, I didn't. No, I guess I was going to say I didn't plan it very well. I did plan it well because then I was at Barbuka the day before oh, for a well. little sand- sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. So just like <laughs> pop in for a coffee and a, and a sandwich. But, yeah. um, you know, someone like Rob Gentili, the chef there, is very passionate about um, supporting community and very passionate about the food. And I feel like the group of chefs that you have together, like Ryan, um, are really, you know, um, trying to rally people to to be inclusive and also just to realize that there is something beyond cooking a nice meal for people who have the money to enjoy it. You know, Ryan, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, I think that's exactly the idea, right? Nick Nick said it earlier. I mean, uh, they're trying to build these centers where uh, they're beautiful spaces and everyone and they're a generous atmosphere. And, you know, that's that's what restaurants are. Restaurants are a place where uh, the food's always delicious. The atmosphere is always fun. Uh, you're always welcomed in. You're always welcomed back. Um, and, and chefs do that for a living every day, all the time. They're constantly making food fun and exciting uh, and welcoming for everybody. And this is an opportunity for all those chefs. And there's more and more of them every year to say, you know, that's important to me, not just in my restaurant. Uh, you know, my parents taught me that. I learned that at home. Uh, that's why I have a restaurant. And it's, uh, it's important for, for every part of the community to be that welcome and that inviting. Because being in a restaurant can sometimes feel like... Um, you know, you're you can be in a little bit of a bubble sometimes because in some restaurants you're working with lots of food, you know, and and really luxurious ingredients, and then um, it, it's so it's a, sometimes like turning your brain around and saying, oh wait a minute, why, what am I doing? Why am I doing what I love? And uh, Ryan, you actually wrote something really great for the Huffington Post, and um, one part of it that I'll just read aloud is uh, you wrote, we need to think more broadly when we're defining Canadian food. To me, Canadian food should be fair and available to everyone, whether they can afford it or not. Canadian meals should be served in accessible places that welcome people without consideration of economic background, gender, immigration status, or age. That's not really something you think about when you walk into a restaurant all the time. It's not, no. And what's great is that I'm not the only chef in Canada that thinks that. If you if you look at the list of places on Wednesday, you've got, uh, you know, there's 60, 60 restaurants, 13 different cities. And, and the list is going to be bigger next year, I'm sure. And all those people feel exactly the same thing, which is really exciting. I, I mean, I think chefs do get it that it's more than just the four walls of their kitchen and the four walls of their restaurant. I mean, when you strip everything away, chefs are natural-born nurturers. They just want to please people and make people feel happy through through food. And so in the work that we've done over the years, when a chef comes in and cooks a meal for 200 people for one of our drop-in meal programs, there's just a sense of, absolute generosity in that, to, to see people come up to them and say, thank you for that. And so um, chefs have led for many years now, I think, on the sustainability side in terms of procurement and how food moves from field to table and the impact that has on our environment. But we're really trying to support chefs to, to be more vociferous on the equity side as well. If we believe that local and sustainable food is the best food for our planet, then surely everyone should eat that food. And, and it's exciting to see Ryan and, and, as he mentions, lots of other chefs starting to, to marry the, the equity with the sustainability. Because you can't have a sustainable food system if everyone isn't participating in it. So the proceeds from, from dinner service on Wednesday night, so October 21st, at the participating restaurants, that is going to be donated to Community Food Center 
Centres Canada. And in Toronto, this supports the Stop Community Food Centre, the Regent Park Community Food Centre, and Community Food Centres Canada. That's right. How are they how are they different? They're different locations? Yeah, so we have two community food centers in Toronto. The founding national affiliate is the stop. That's where we got our start. And uh, the newest one is the Regent Park Community Food Center, which is a great center run by Emily Martin, uh, not far from Richmond Station. And so the proceeds from uh, from that evening will be split between the three of us. And wh- wherever we have a community food center, say, for example, we just opened a new one in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, and uh, we have a number of restaurants participating there. So proceeds from uh, from the 21st in, in Halifax and Dartmouth will be split between the Dartmouth oh, Community great. Food Center. So the money stays locally. That's right. Yeah. We want that to be the case. Yeah. So let's tell people a bit more about what the stop does because like you said that was sort of the first and I'm quite familiar with it but a lot of people may not realize what it is that you do because as you mentioned sort of before the break which is that you know food banks people are familiar with they've done a really great job of getting the word out people know what a food bank does Uh, they know how to contribute but an organization or a facility like the stop is a little bit different in how they do things yeah, it's a, it's a community center built around this idea that food is a powerful and transformative uh, force in our lives and that food sits at some of the big, seemingly intractable problems of, of our times, like climate change, like poor health, like inequality. So if we can rethink food, we can change the world for the better. So these centers are tangible expressions about what is possible. They're about generosity and connection, as, as we've talked before, and also good health. You're going to walk into a center and eat the healthiest meal you may have ever eaten. And that's a great thing. People look down at their meal and feel, wow, uh, someone has taken a lot of time and care with this, and that's reflected back to them. And they feel as though they matter as well. And they look up from that meal and say, wow, there's a whole, there's a myriad of ways that I can get involved here in uh, community gardening or working with others in a community kitchen or setting up a fresh market stand or a perinatal health program or just a communal meal. So it's a place where food is at the heart of everything, good, healthy food. And it's a place where people can build a sense of hope and self-worth and ultimately move on with mm-hmm. their lives. And so that's what these centers are about. They're they're dignified, they're respectful, they're staffed, we measure our programs, and we really support people to uh, transform their lives through, you know, it all starts often, the journey often begins with just a really good meal. And the more of these places we can build, we feel that we can change the conversation around how our food system should work. Can you talk a bit about perhaps a success story, someone who sort of moved through the program a little bit? Oh, well, you know, I can talk about lots of success stories last week, and I'll I'll use the most recent one that really had an effect on me. Uh, I was I was in Dartmouth to open the Dartmouth uh, North Community Food Center and a video played of this woman uh, who talked about the first time she walked in to the center. And normally when you go and you pick up food, uh, it's it's really a, a difficult experience. You keep your eyes on the floor, you get shuffled to the front of the line, you pick up your food. It's not always terribly healthy. And we have really wanted to change that dynamic. So when you walk into our centers, uh, you walk in and you go, wow, this place is full of possibility. And she, she was really articulate about how the minute she walked in, she felt at home, she felt respected, she felt she could talk about the issues that mattered to her. And most importantly, she could get involved. She could actually do something. It was about developing a relationship with her. And we just opened in August. So this place will be a phenomenal center for her to just start to regroup and put her life back together. And so that, you know, I think those stories, she's a proxy for many, many other stories like that. When people come into our centers, they start to feel whole. They start to feel that they matter. And ultimately, people aren't poor because they want to be poor. Poverty is about 
low minimum wages and inadequate social assistance rates. We've talked about that kind of stuff. People want to move on with their lives mm -hmm. and, and live out some hopes and dreams. Well, and a great way for everyone uh, to help out is, of course, to book a table at one of the participating restaurants. Um, Ryan, is there any room left at uh, Richmond Station for yeah, Wednesday night? Yeah, we've got a few seats. There's definitely room at the chef's table. So. Oh, but that's I to me, that's the best table. I, I think go so, too. Go for that's it. Prime, prime <laughs> <laughs> so uh, people can go online to the website, restaurantsforchange.ca. You can find all of the restaurants listed there. Um, so it's it's I think it's win-win. You're treating yourself to a great meal, but you're also helping someone else have a healthy meal down the road. Um, thank you both for joining me tonight, and uh, best of luck on Wednesday. I know it's going to be a great success. Yeah. So after the break, the man who travels the world looking for the wildest, wackiest, and strangest people for the Believe It or Not books and museums. And some of the strangest, hey, they actually live right here. <laughs> on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, I was mentioning off the top of the show that it's so important, please, if you did not vote during the advance polls, to take time tomorrow and vote. And someone text in and asked that I do a voting shout-out to Ontario University students. Um, definitely a group that... We want to get out there and vote and let them know that they can vote on campus. So apparently you can just go, uh, you can Google or you can go to your student union to find out where on campus you can go and vote. So it's been made very easy for you. Um, so thank you so much for texting that in. Now, I was saying before the break that um, it must be a really cool job to be the person that travels the world looking for the strange the unusual, the weird, and the wacky um, for the Ripley's, believe it or not, books and the museums. So on the line, I have Edward Meyer, VP of Exhibits and Archives. Hi, Edward. Uh, good evening, Tay. Thank you for having us on. Um, I am so curious about, I guess, the, th the array of things that you have witnessed over the year. So for 35 years, you've traveled around. You've been looking for, you know, unusual stories, the unbelievable artifacts to fill, obviously, the books that you have, also the museums. Um, I, I have the current book and I flipped through it and it has really very interesting information in there. Some of it's like a little bit gross, <laughs> but apparently all of it's true. So you have a all, all true. <laughs> yeah. And all new. Uh, you know, this the, the book in question is called uh, Eye Popping Oddities. It's mm -hmm. our 12th book in this series, and it's all new material, never before published by Ripley's. Some of it is historical, archival, but most of it is material that happened in the last calendar year. Oh, okay. And, you know, for for the most part, I, I'm almost convinced that I do have the world's most unusual job. <laughs> People keep telling me, so eventually I'm going to believe it, but... Uh, almost 38 years now. Wow. Uh, I've had the privilege of following in Robert Ripley's footsteps and trying to find the exhibits to go into our auditoriums. And closest one here is, of course, Niagara Falls. Mm -hmm. uh, but we also have one in Charlottetown and PEI. And, you know, our books, uh, it's roughly a thousand stories and 500 photographs. So every year, it's a full time job to come up with the material that we're, we're putting in there. And Odd, unusual, sometimes gross, but all true. Now, does anything surprise you anymore? Because like you said, you've been doing this for 38 years. You've seen a lot. You've heard a lot. Um, do you just kind of go, oh, okay, there's another one? 
Well, I'm probably a little harder to amaze than the average person, but no, I still see stuff almost every day that makes me go, wow, and wow, that's the perfect thing to put in our next book or put into our auditorium. And, you know, the world was an amazing place. And Robert Ripley himself coined the phrase that truth is stranger than fiction, that almost every day there's something I just shake my head and go, I, I don't believe it myself. Uh, and if I do that, it's probably perfect for Ripley's Believe It or Not. Now, how do you or how did you um, find these people, find these artifacts, verify these claims like before the Internet? Because now we have this resource at our fingertips where we can connect with people. We can double check. We can you know, have someone upload a video or a photo. But before all of that was available, I'm just thinking that your job must have been um, so much more challenging. Correct. And, and I'd like to, you know, sort of backstep a bit that um, we're a Canadian-owned company. I myself uh, am from Toronto and mm-hmm. still a Canadian citizen, uh, educated at the University of Toronto, but I've been living in Florida now for 20 years, which is roughly, you know, the computer age that we're talking about. And the easy answer to your question is that my job has indeed got easier uh, and, and we used to have to get on the airplane and go. Um, you know, there's a team of researchers, a team of editors, uh, and basically if we saw something, we'd have to get on the phone, verify that, you know, it sounds like it's worth visiting, and get on a plane and go. And I, I still travel more than the average person, but a, a good deal of our job can now be done you know, on a mobile phone. I don't even need to go to the office if, mm-hmm. I, don't have, you know, if I don't want to. So it has become easier, but it's also, in a way, become harder to amaze people because it's in their face all the time. Oh, so that's a good still point. still got to spend some extra effort to find things that, you know, maybe was page seven on the web instead of page one. <laughs> not everybody saw it. Yeah. Right. So uh, a lot of the interesting facts um, and stories are actually Canadian so well, there's a there's a good deal that are that's correct, and you know I, I'd like to say that the weirdest stuff probably comes from you know uh, China or India, but we're an international company that we try to put material in our books, uh, and the book we're talking about is I I catching I oddities here, and um, you know we we search the whole world and Canadian content, U.S. content, European content, something for everybody. And the book is divided into 10 chapters, and I don't think too many people read a Ripley's book cover to cover. But, you know, if, if the food chapter grosses you out, hopefully <laughs> you like the body chapter or the, the sports chapter, etc. Well, I think it makes a great coffee table book because it's just one of those things that you can open up to any page, you know, read Absolutely. a few things. And, and, and that's, that's the way it's marketed. It yeah. is a great gift item. Uh, our typical reader is probably a teenager, and you know, the book may be a little pricey at $30 for the teenager to buy, but grandma or mom will buy it as a gift, especially here at Christmas time. And, you know, you put it down and everybody in the family is going to end up picking it up and, you know, reading something and turning around and go, hey, did you guys know, look at this on page 52. And, you know, ultimately the entire family ends up looking at the book well, to and me, enjoying it. Yeah, to me it's sort of full of, um, uh, like, party, small talk, facts when you're when you're with people and you're like hey did you know and i'm i just opened up to one of um the pages in the book and it 
the the heading is hard to swallow. So the doctors in a town in India removed 431 coins, 197 fishnet pellets, 19 bicycle chain bolts, and three keys from one man's stomach. It all weighed over 13 pounds. And I look at that and I think, Oh my God! First of all, he swallowed all of that and survived. Yeah. And then, you know, there's actually a name called pica for the, the disease of abnormal eating of you know objects that shouldn't be being eaten. Right. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's we we call them snippets. You mm-hmm. know, I, I mentioned earlier there's about a thousand stories and about 500 photos, and it's a very very colorful coffee table book. We're famous for our great photography, but those other stories. You know, we call them snippets, and it's just two or three lines that, you know, they, they make you stop and think. <laughs> you know, it's just like pause for a moment and, and try to grasp somebody having swallowed all that stuff. And, you know, and then imagine the doctor that's removing it all. Oh, absolutely. Now, just very quickly, Edward, is there something that you really want to see? Maybe something that's been rumored that you have yet to, you know, verify? <laughs> Well, I call it my holy grail. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a cliche, but um, I have probably acquired somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 two-headed animals. What? Various kinds. Deers, cows, sheep, pigs. I have said that I will retire when I see a three-headed animal. So that's, (laughs) that's my holy grail. Well, it, it's totally possible because you've got a lot of other crazy things in the book. Um, thank you so much for your well, time. It's really all appreciate about it. Genetics. Yeah. Nothing is impossible, but um, you know that, that that would that would certainly knock me off my chair if I find it. <laughs> and you're probably and you're a hard person to surprise at this point. Um, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Edward. Well, thank you. The book is Eye Popping Oddities uh, and available wherever fine books are sold or Ripley's.com, Amazon.com. Fantastic. That's Edward Meyer, VP of Exhibits and Archives for the Ripley's, believe it or not, Books and the Museums. And again, that book is out and uh, it's definitely one that will get people talking. Uh, Coming up after the break, we'll talk about entertaining for the fall season. Quick and easy tips for you now that we're moving everything indoors and we're not doing the big backyard uh, parties anymore. We're taking a break here on the Pei Chen Show at Pei Chen on Twitter and Instagram. PeiChen.com is the website. Back to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Well, sadly, if you've been outside this weekend, and you probably have, um, the days of entertaining outdoors, you know, having a patio party or having everyone outside for a barbecue, I think they're behind us for the rest of the year. So everything's moving indoors now, but still... Plenty of reasons to entertain and have a good time. So lifestyle expert Shona Jensen is on the line. Quick and easy entertaining tips. I know that's what you're all about, Shona. Yeah, I sure am. And (laughs) some of you out there might have, like, had Thanksgiving or wish you hosted Thanksgiving. And maybe it didn't go, like, as smooth as you wanted. You know, you need a couple of tips. (laughs) Or you're an aspiring entertainer for the holiday season that's coming up. So here are some really quick, easy, easy, easy ones to follow. Okay, welcome drink, entertaining 101. No matter what kind of party it is, cocktail party, dinner party, app party, wine and cheese, you mm-hmm. name it, welcome drink. So that means the second your guests arrive, you take their coat, because as you said, the weather's cold now, take your coat, and your priority is to get a drink in their hand, whether it be alcoholic or now non-alcoholic. It's not the point here is to get them, you know, drunk. Right. <laughs> it's to make them feel part of the party immediately. There's just mm-hmm. something about it socially. You know when you walk in a party and you don't even know what to do? 
as the host, it's your job to bring them over to the bar or take them into the kitchen or wherever it is you're going to kind of pour their beverages. Tell them what the options are. They don't know unless you tell them. Okay, yep. And get that drink in their hand and then introduce them to at least one person if they don't know anybody. Okay, that's a good tip. It is, and then that way you can then walk away. They're engaged with somebody, hopefully, in conversation, and you can walk away and greet the next guests that are coming in because everybody kind of arrives all at once for right. most get-togethers. Yeah. So that's your first tip. That one's pretty easy, right? Everyone can kind of handle that. Mm-hmm. The next one is create a playlist, a playlist in advance. So you don't want to play DJ all night, but music is really important. We all know that. Yes. So create a playlist on your iPad or your tablet or whatever you've got going on in your stereo, and think of everybody's music taste. Put a little bit of something in for everybody. It'll also help with that one guest, you know, that usually wants to take over the music and they play like they're... <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Music. Total party buzzkill right there. So if you know you've got one of those people coming, you can go, hey, you're off duty, DJ. We've yeah. got this taken care of. Let it roll. Well, and there's um, all, it's also weird when there isn't any music. Like, oh, especially if it's a small, if it's a big party, there's enough chatter. It kind of fills the room. But, I don't, you know, sometimes you, or if, what has happened to me is when you're one of the first guests and so it's deadly quiet and you feel like you have to keep talking because it's so eerily silent otherwise. Oh, my gosh. You're totally right. That's like the worst. <laughs> and, you know, on the flip side, music, you can do either a playlist for the end of the night. That's more mellow music. Yeah. You can turn it low. So people are staying a little bit too long. It's a really subtle and polite way to kind of die the party down a little bit on purpose so everyone knows it's time to go home. Yeah, yeah, it's time to go home. Without having to kick your friends out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unless you have to, and that's no judgment there. (laughs) And then coffee, 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 coffee. It is such an important part of any get-together. Again, any style of entertaining. Obviously, we think dinner parties when we think coffee, but a lot of Mm -hmm. people want that cup of coffee just to finish off their night, even if it's a cocktail party. So don't forget that and be be prepared for it. And I absolutely have to tell you about my new favorite coffee maker. It's amazing. It's the Seiko Grand Baristo Avante. I just love it, love it, love it, love it. Italian companies, of course. Who knows coffee better than the Italians? Espresso. Here's what I love about it. It's a fully functional automatic espresso machine, but it's the first one that's connected. So it's connected to your smart devices, iPhone, iPad, mm-hmm. uh, Android, etc. So you actually customize and order your coffee to the machine on your smart device. So you're the barista. But- you're totally the barista, but it's so much easier because your guests, you can hand them the device. Can you imagine sitting around a dinner party and you're passing your device around the table? Everybody's customizing their, you know. Yeah, that's you know, great. Tall, you know, large, extra milk, extra coffee, hot this. Completely, totally customizable. It's by sliders. Mm-hmm. And they can name it. So then it puts all their coffees in a queue. And it will make them one after another. So you don't have to remember what everyone's preference of all their different coffees great, are. Great, because that stresses yeah. me out. I don't, I don't I like it. being, I don't like being like the, the, you know, I wanted this and I want my decaf and I'm like, I can't, I can't handle this. It's too much. All right. So great tip. Totally for you. Totally for you. And then don't forget to have extra food in the kitchen for those people that are helping you out because you know, hungry people don't work very well. So whether they're hired or just friends, have some extra nibbles in the kitchen for them. All right. And that's it. Easy, right? Yeah, it's great. Easy, simple enough. We can all be entertaining in this like crazy fall weather that's now gearing and, you know, leading us into winter. Yeah. And don't forget to have fun. It's your party, too. You know, that's what uh, is easy to forget sometimes because you get so stressed out about wanting everyone else to have a good time, making sure that everyone has what they want and what they need, that you can you can just feel exhausted by the end of it. But I think, like you said, you know what? It's just there. 
probably they're your friends. You can just relax a little bit and you can always say like, hey, get your own drink over there or there's the totally. cheese tray, fill it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And if you're not having fun, they won't. They'll feel your stress too and it won't be a comfortable party. So yeah. what happens, happens at the party. Just let it roll and if a mistake happens, that's okay. It's fine. It happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> great tips. Thanks so much, Shona. Thanks, Tay. My pleasure. Have a great night. Thanks, you too. Bye. That's Shona Jensen with some great entertaining tips. We're taking a quick break here on the show. Uh, Vinny White is here. And then when we come back, we'll talk about why Vinny punched me. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show. More with Pay Chen on In-Depth Radio. News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Vinny White is here. And uh, do you want to talk about what's coming up on your show? Good stuff and things from 9 through till 10. Be here. It's great. Was it a bit too brief? Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, I will be talking a little bit about the election. But yeah, because we both voted already. We did that last week, right? Yeah. I'm just um, reminding people that tomorrow they need, should they should vote. Yes. They Are should. you on the Jays bandwagon? Are you have you jumped onto that Blue Jays bandwagon? This is, right, if I was to make a noise about how much I care, this would be the noise. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Whereas most people would be like, yeah. I like the uh, I like the way everyone has gotten excited about it. I don't have much interest in watching a whole game. Maybe if they get to the, the very last final, I'll be, I'll be the last bandwagon jumper, like at the very, very end. Yeah, I'll be uh, there. But for I that. do like the, I, I do like how excited everyone is, and I like that people are getting together and they're going down to Nathan Phillips <sighs> Square and watching the game. I, don't I know. like that energy. No, I don't, because I live right next to it, so I have to put. Well, up so with do these. I. Where do you live? Well, I mean, around briefly. The, not far from you, not far from the Rogers Center. Is that I've why? Some, times. Is that why I saw you in that cafe near my house a you few weeks ago? You bring up that cafe many times, yeah. and I've only well, bumped into you once. How many and times have you found s- me outside your house? And we've only we've lived in the same area for years. Let's remember, I lived in that area first, so you moved to that area, knowing I lived there. That was one very expensive bit of stalking. <laughs> Yeah, sure was. Um, yeah, I'm just getting annoyed with them because I found a, a drunk man asleep in my uh, front yard the other day. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're in. You're very much in the party area. Like, there's a lot of little. There's a lot of supper clubs and stuff near you. Supper clubs. Supper clubs. On they earth, call them. There's that. a supper club. Well, it's where you can have supper, and then it turns into a club. Oh, I see. Oh, is that the actual name for them? Yes, there is lots of those. Yeah, I call them pretentious bars. Ah, but where you go and then you just complain about the price of Not beer. going there anymore, mate. No, I'm no. a changed man. Where do you go now? I don't, I don't go out in where King you, West anymore. Where do you go now? Apart from last night, but that was a one-off. <laughs> that was... <laughs> there was last night, but after last night, no more. No, no more expensive beer. I went, you know, I went last night. I went to Two Cats. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, because that place has surprisingly been around for a very long time. A lot of places along that King Street strip um they kind of open and close very quickly but yes. two cats has been there for a very long time that's true if you're having difficulty with your marriage then please do go down to two cats where <laughs> everyone's having an affair oh excellent should be sponsored by ashley madison <laughs> um i've forgotten what my your original question was now what was it i, I don't it's a good job know. this isn't live isn't it yeah it's a good why thing. are we talking about something? should we talk about why you punched me earlier yes yeah. Okay. Let's do that, and let's let's just run the numbers, right? <laughs> Don't you dare lie on air. How many times did you punch me before I finally punched you? I gave you um, a friendly little tap, like, "Hey, buddy, see you later." How ma- All right. Well, you didn't, but let's just say you did, which you absolutely didn't. How many times? 
I did it as a test. I, you knew that Answer I was the question. Testing. What are you, Stephen Harper? Three times, maybe? Four. Four. Probably not. A Charlie horse. But wait. I then, think that's what you call can it, we it? say that when I punched you again, it's because you were trying to fart in my face? <laughs> no, we can't so say that. that <laughs> deserved <laughs> the punch, and then Vinny proceeded to punch me with his fist <laughs> on both, punch both my arms mm. because you tried to fart in my face. Can we sort of at least present the illusion that this is a high brown news talk <laughs> journalist conversation. Oh my goodness. Patreon.com no. is where you can go to find the podcast and listen to this little bit all over again. Oh. It sure is worth it. Uh, Vinny White's coming up next and uh, have a great week everyone. Don't forget to vote tomorrow. Go Chase, go!